Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen and we have done it. We have gotten to the off season. Congrats, everybody. Everybody here, just a, a brief round of applause for everyone here. You know, join join with me today, the regular cast and crew of characters on the show over the past month. It's it's Mason from Buffalo, it's Bradford Sonnenberger, and it's Ryan Kearney, our senior draft analyst. Boys, we did it. This is always a joyous show and occasion for me because it means I I don't know. Brian, I think it's fair to say this. Anyone who knows me knows I love podcasting. I love it like 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 I n- love nothing else. It's one of my favorite things to do. It is n- by far my number one favorite hobby. Well, that that's a lie. Number two hobby, number one hobby is obviously sports watching, but number two hobby is definitely podcasting. And uh, I love it, but it's always nice when we get to this May portion of the calendar where everything just shuts down for a while and I can be like, okay, I'm just not going to do this for like a month. So if, if you're, if you're confused, it is April 30th. This will come out on the podcast feed April 30th. If you're coming in in May and you're listening to this in mid May, don't worry. This podcast is not dead. I haven't left it, but uh, you will not hear anything until June. And we'll do three shows in June, and then we'll get back to division previews in July, and then we'll get the season started all over again. But it's, you know, it's nice to have this finality, Ryan. It's nice to to get to the end of the um, draft season and kind of head into the offseason a little bit. Yeah, it is. Draft is always a fun weekend. So uh, some veterans get traded, maybe not as much as last year. And the Eagles were able to grab DeAndre Swift, which I imagine we'll get into that at some point. But obviously draft is uh, is a fun time. Nice to see, obviously, where guys end up going after, you know, watching them uh, over the last couple of years uh, in the college season. So always a, a fun time. And yeah, this draft uh, definitely had a lot of unpredictable elements to it, for sure. Absolutely. Bradford, I'm sure you have thoughts on, on the impending offseason coming up here i know you'll be happy you won't you know there will be no overlap between oilers hockey and podcasting for the next month so you can just focus fully on that i i will say there is a, a slight chance that i i text you in a few weeks and we do an emergency uh oilers defeat or victory podcast whenever that happens uh, i do definitely want to get you on the show for that i will i will oblige in that I gotta say, today today is a pretty good day. I've I've been awake for barely any of it, but I've been eating some cereal, and that's the main thing that I've done today. I was eating cereal. Can you believe that? Wonderful, Mason. In the midst of launching a, a a harrowing business venture, he can now focus fully on that after you know being so generous to me and giving literally years of his life to me over the past uh over the past year and uh hopefully he's not too busy being a ceo and we can we can get him back on in july oh no please uh we voted some other idiot ceo who has to deal with all of our bullshit <laughs> oh we're all wonder- far too crazy are you, too- are you lo- uh, mason mason yeah. are, you, are you loaded yet are you getting oh, uh, big, big money big money mason Oh, I was going to say, define loaded. Um, No, no, not yet. No money being earned quite yet. Uh, The long and short of it is New York State is um, being, you know, a state-run organization and doing poor job at just about everything they can manage. But you'll get there. We will get there. It's on its way. And what, once Mason gets rich, but the reason Bradford is obviously asking is he's buying us all new mics. Like we've 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 established this. As soon as he gets rich, he's gonna buy himself a nice little Yeti. He'll buy one for Bradford too, and and uh, maybe I'll get like a he'll give me like a ring light or something. So I have some some lighting options. I don't want a microphone uh, out of this. I just want to. I just the thing is, I want no financial compensation. I just want to know a rich guy. You know, well, no, well, well, the investigation. I will sponsor the investigation into the the ne'er do wells at Bradford School. We will get to the bottom of what's happening there well, because we don't even want to know resources to do it. You don't even want to know what I want. I'll catch you up on that another time. It's, it got yeah. it got real crazy, but yeah, no, I feel like it'd just be cool to know. Like, like I don't know, I don't, I don't remember exact exactly what your company's about. I think I do, but like 
I just want to be like, everybody's like, you know that company? And I'll be like, that company? You know how I know that guy? Yeah, that's big That's big money Mason. And they're like, you know big money Mason? I'll be like, yeah, I know big money Mason. And I can just kind of name drop that. And maybe it gets me in place. Like, I'm trying to get in, like, a high-profile club in Buffalo. I don't know why the fuck I'd be in Buffalo. But let's say I'm in Buffalo. Wow, and that I'm hurts. I'm trying to get in somewhere. And they're like, I'm sorry. You're just not like that. And I'll be like, I'm sorry. One phone call to big money Mason. And then you'll be like, ah, this is big money Mason. You let Bradford in here. And yeah, like, but... oh, sorry, Mason. Sorry, 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 big money. That's this... that's kind of what I'm envisioning here. This podcast has literally never been profitable ever. I, I'm slightly hoping that maybe Mason, you know, shoots me a text in a few months and is like, "Hey, let me pay the audio hosting fee and like let's throw some ads on this on this sucker." You know, like I, I'm I'm ready for those opportunities as well. If you live in New York State, <laughs> so. Uh, Yes, uh, an exciting summer coming for us all. I can tell Ryan is like, what am I doing here? This is devolved into the craziness that Eric Jensen podcasts often do. We will get into the NFL talk now. Winners and losers of a draft. Bradford, may you have to leave us early. So I will start with him. Bradford, give us a winner, a loser, a big draft takeaway that you have. Hmm. My big winner... Okay, I got a, I got a, I got a, I got a couple of big winners, but the biggest winner is so is so generic, it's so bland. We do this every year. Miss the Eagles. It's straight up the Eagles. Like, what do you, what do you, what are you, what are you gonna do? I'll let, I'll let Ryan talk about the Eagles, but I just want to say, like, Howie. I saw a report that like other GMs are getting tired of all the praise that Howie's getting. Then stop getting fucking fleeced. Stop letting him fleece you. What are you doing? Like the oh. Bringing in, bringing in DeAndre Swift for nothing. I mean, Jalen Carter. I mean, this is this is getting absolutely ridiculous. Like, I don't know how sustainable this is gonna be, but if they just do this every year, they're they're gonna they're gonna win like fourteen games for like the next decade. I don't, uh, not like fourteen games over the next decade, like every year. Like this is just gonna be. Although I'm sure they will win fourteen games over the course of the next decade, but like this is getting ridiculous. What what are we doing? If you don't want if you don't want how we get the praise, then stop letting them absolutely like like. Uh, noogie you like slam you in the school locker steal your lunch money this is this is getting ridiculous yes the eagles did have a good draft uh, i knew they they had a good draft because and and you know honestly ryan i, I ryan's if if he's he's very unbiased he he's 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 got good good uh a good head on his shoulders he does lean towards the eagles sometimes but when you draft basically only exclusively players that uh ryan has hyped up i just know he'll he'll tell you that oh yeah you know i like these guys eagles got them they're huge winners oh would you agree with that uh with, with with that sentiment ryan i mean i look at this class and literally like you got four guys in here but you during the month of podcasts we did before the draft, you name by name as guys you loved and you just got them all. So congrats. Yeah. yeah really like this weekend just kind of kept getting better. Like it almost seemed fake. It was like, are they really actually getting all these guys? Like once they took Sydney Brown in the third round, I was like, come on. Like they're, they're just like, like how arrows might be a, a soft end zone pod listener at this point. Like he, he might've just, you know, skipped the scouting cycle, watched the national title games the last two years and just called it good in terms of what the players he would consider evaluating. And it was also funny, obviously that they got Deandre Swift mentioned that, but to get him, you know, obviously a, a starting caliber running back, you know, capitalizing at a time when the lions just drafted Jameer Gibbs and signed David Montgomery, having Swift in the last year of his deal, another Georgia bulldog fitting in the Eagles locker room. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a highlight weekend. And I really thought the value of the picks that they made were, were really strong as well, specifically for Carter, for Nolan Smith and for Keely Ringo, you know, the three, the three Georgia players that they took, I had them ranked much higher than where the Eagles ended up picking them. So not like they were kind of going out of their way to reach or grab anything. I mean, I think Nolan Smith 30 overall, uh, probably my favorite value pick of, of the entire draft and uh, you know, seeing what he can do in terms of his run defensibility, even as an undersized frame, I mean, just electric quick and, and able to shoot gaps and, and make plays. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty stoked with, uh, with the Eagles haul out of this draft for sure. If I may just play devil's advocate for a brief moment on the Eagles, two things are true. 
Uh, one, the DeAndre Swift trade is is pretty much null and void. I mean, if he walks, they get a fourth round compensatory pick back. So right, it's literally just you picked up DeAndre Swift for free, basically. Correct. That said, that backfield kind of scares me. I mean, DeAndre Swift is a walking IR spot at this point in his career, and after him, who have you like Kenneth Gamewell and Boston Scott, like Rashad Penny, they signed this offseason as well. Rashad Penny, (laughs) Rashad Penny coming off like a fractured leg. Like, I I, I don't know about the backfield. Like, I get you have Jalen Hurts, and the running game will be fine. I'm not saying some big alarms, but for the no doubt best roster in the NFC, I think they do have a massive problem in the backfield. That's well, all I'll yeah. Say. That's also kind of like Miles Sanders, excluding obviously he had a great season last year, two years ago, didn't necessarily have the greatest year, uh, I would say. But um, you know, I I even look like the playoff run they had, it really wasn't even a lot of Miles Sanders. It was a lot of Kenneth Gainwell to begin with. Now, would I be stoked if Kenneth Gainwell was the only guy in the backfield? They didn't trade for Swift, they didn't cyber shot Penny. I'd be very concerned. But adding those two guys, I think you can go with kind of that committee approach. And you know, for the injuries with Swift, yeah, I can't deny he's gotten banged up in his career, but he's also played no less than 13 games every time he's you know jogged out there for a season so not like this guy's getting career in you know season ending injuries on the regular like he's still you know a banged up back but a guy that can you know get out there play at least you know 13 14 games in a season so I think in a committee that you know sets them up well so um yeah I, I think they made solid veteran ads you know not spending a ton not you know going out and uh giving Austin Eckler a big contract in a trade I think they've been pretty responsible with how they've managed their backfield going into next year Another draft winner, Bradford. Mm, another winner. Well, I gotta say, I, 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 uh, I'm not, I'm not crazy enough about the risk the Texans took to put them as a full out winner. But to be honest with you, uh, staying in that division, I've been thinking about the Colts a lot lately, which is a weird team to think about because when's the last time you thought about the Colts? But then I realized, wait a minute, I'm thinking about the Colts. The Colts must have done something good. And I honestly really love how, you know, that principle that people talk about where it's like, uh, you break up with somebody and it's like you date like the complete opposite the next time around. That's kind of what they're doing with Anthony Richardson here. He's like the farthest thing from like the, the, the you know, the girl they've been with this whole time. And I think, I think that might be a fun thing for them. Like, I feel like, you know, on some level, I get that running backs have like a short shelf life. But like, are we forgetting that 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 they still got they still got a, a pretty good running back back there? Jonathan Taylor? I don't know. He's he's pretty good. I think the offensive line really beat up last year. And it's like I as as nervous I as I am about just tossing Richardson in there with how raw he is, like I feel like the Colts might actually have like a really this draft. I mean Grabbing uh, downs as well in the, in the later rounds, that was somebody I was really high on. Like, I actually kind of like what they've got building here. I think they've got a really good, really good, like, uh, I got, I'm obviously really high on, on Steichen as well as being the guy to bring this program together. But, like, I feel like over the course of the past few days, the Colts have just kind of completely changed the vibes around that team to being, like, vaguely hopeful, which makes me makes me want to pick them as a winner. Hmm. You know, I, I, I did, like, one of their picks, Blake Freeland out of BYU. This is a guy who's very raw, but is built like an elite uh, NFL offensive tackle. And if you can work on his technique stuff a little bit, he definitely has upside of guys like uh, a Colton Miller was a guy he was getting a lot of comps to. So I don't hate that. Most of their picks were like in the one late one thirties. So I don't put like in two hundreds, like I don't put much stock into most of their draft picks, but they did get Josh Downs who a lot of people were really high on. And you've got Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, Paris Campbell. Like it's not a bad offense for Anthony Richardson to go into. If he is the day one starter, I, I, I think, things or, or did paris campbell move this off paris campbell's with the giants now yeah he's with yeah. the giants now I, I i forgot that part but uh ryan i don't know what what did you think of the draft i thought they took a lot of uh, i mean to be honest anyone who's not taken in the top 100 i kind of dismiss because like those are just kind of 50 50 shots of the wall that they'll become something or not you know 
Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, kind of on that note, I would say I actually kind of like some of their kind of, you know, dartboard tosses kind of later in the draft. I think uh, Adam Warrior from Northwestern is a really good pick in the fourth round. Darius Rush, Daniel Scott, some good DBs. Evan Hull from Northwestern had some some decent moments. So I think that for, you know, a lot of dart throws on day three of the draft, I think some of those are going to end up hitting. And uh, I think Colts historically, you know, under Chris Ballard, they've kind of been that team that kind of airs on the side of, you know, really athletic players more so than guys that had this crazy amount of production but I feel like this year they actually did get some guys that you know had some really strong seasons in college that um, you know maybe can help them uh, you know stimulate this rebuild a little bit quicker obviously four wins last year in a pretty bad division to begin with uh, you know looking to kind of build on that you know it'll be a long grind with Richardson uh, you know trying to get him up to speed and you know we'll see they got Gardner Minshew there as well as he kind of the week one starter I'd probably lean in that direction if I were you know thinking ahead here but um, you know there's an opportunity for Richardson under Shane Steichen to get involved with his running ability more so than even just getting his passing abilities squared away, you know, right away. So, um, you know, I think the Colts did some interesting things um, like the direction, you know, high quantity amount of picks and, um, you know, in a big rebuild, you want to get some young players out there and see what you can get because, um, you know, you're still probably looking at a team that's probably two, three, maybe even four years away from, uh, you know, really starting to be serious contenders again. So uh, let me throw out a winner here. And I, I this might be a little bit controversial, but I, I liked what the Falcons did in this draft. I know that there's obviously where they picked B. John Robinson gets some hate. But if he's a top five running back in the NFL, which his ceiling can be, then this is a good pick because you don't have to rely on Desmond Ritter all of a second. They went out, they got uh, Matthew Bergeron, who was a pretty highly touted offensive uh, line um, prospect in the second round. So they build help in the running game. Then they honestly steal of the draft. They get Clark Phillips the third out of Utah. Perfect slot corner for them. They get Jeff Okuda. They get Jesse Bates this offseason. To me, the Falcons have been huge offseason winners in general. They totally made their defense competitive, which it just wasn't last year. And they've added more offensive weapons to a group that already has some up and coming young guys. I know Desmond Ritter is a huge question. And because of that, I probably wouldn't say they have a much higher ceiling ceiling than eight or nine wins at this point. But I really don't think it's crazy to say they'd have a winning season next year. Uh, they 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 have a really interesting roster with a lot of good young talent. I don't know what you thought about the Falcons draft, Ryan. Yeah, I thought it was a it was a good draft. You know, you mentioned Bergeron and Phillips. Like, you know, you're you're getting some pretty high quality players there. You know, outside of the first round, you know, Bijan kind of unarguably is probably a, a top five player in this draft. So, you know, yeah, there's fair to to question. You know, hey, you maybe could have gone, you know, a, a Jalen Carter here, or maybe uh, you know, you grab your offensive tackle uh, there at eight, whether it be Darnell Wright or Broderick Jones, who just went slightly after. But obviously, Arthur Smith's offense. You know, he really prides himself on that run game. You know, running out outside zone and uh you know running some some good play action off that so as you said it'll help out a young quarterback and Ritter um you know I'm not necessarily sure if I would consider this you know my favorite draft in the class but I think they added some impact players that'll that'll help them out Mason any drafts stand out to you uh I mean I I kind of liked a bit of what Tennessee did um I, I interesting you know Ryan Tannehill's obviously kind of coming to the end of his time there they've clearly got another year they can get out of him and so taking you know a project like will leave us there to see if they can develop him give him a year and i mean frankly make another decision next year he's only a second rounder so if they want to you know don't like what they see in his development and want to try to get something else and go somewhere else with it they've still got plenty of time to do that without you know, feeling like they've wasted too many resources on that. Uh, that new offensive tackle they picked up, I think will do a lot of good for them too. keep their, uh, their line nice and stout for quite a while there too. So. And I would kind of division too. <laughs> I know I, I, I would call them a loser, to be honest with you. The biggest 
problem their team had last year was that they had no pass catchers. Traylon Burks w- was fine at points, but outside of him, there was nothing. They lost a bunch of guys this offseason to free agency who weren't really doing anything for them anyways. And then they they passed on wide receivers at every chance they got. They had a chance to take A.T. Perry like three or four times, and they just didn't take him. And I think Titans fans, who I, I'm pretty tight with on Twitter just because Trey was on this podcast for so long as, as the co-host, are very unhappy with this draft. They did not address cornerback, which is a huge question with Kristen Fulton's contract coming up. And the fact that Caleb Farley cannot stay healthy or stay on the field or play well when he's on the field. I I thought the draft was a loss for, for the Titans. Sure. Getting Will Levis when they did was fine, but you added nothing around him. And this year still feels like a year where they are, to me, but the worst team in the division now. I, I I don't I don't see them winning more than seven or eight games. I f- I feel like that's their absolute ceiling at this point. I I, I disagree. I, I I did not like what the Titans did. I don't I don't know if you agree, Ryan or not. I know there weren't any game changing wide receivers in this class, but their their wide receiver draft depth chart right now is quite literally only Traylon Burks. Like that's it, and they they took like a blocking tight end in in uh Josh Wild like i i don't i don't really i i don't i don't really understand what their aim was with this draft i mean they did get better on the offensive line but even you know Tajay Spears he, he an explosive prospect but he has some very serious knee concerns and I don't know. I, I did not like the draft for the Titans personally. Yeah. New GM uh, for the Titans, obviously John Robinson got let go uh, at the end of last year. So, uh, you know, didn't necessarily know what to kind of expect out of them. I would say I like the Skaronski pick a lot at 11. Um, you needed to improve that old line. You know, you mentioned the receiver need, but I think, you know, starting in the trenches uh, is a smart area to go. And I think Skaronski was one of the better O-line in this draft, whether he plays guard or tackle, uh, you know, that'll kind of sort itself out. I, I like that pick. But yeah, after that, you know, the Will Levis situation, it's like you got one year left of Tannehill. You took Malik Willis last year. They clearly, you know, don't love Malik Willis with how last year ended with him not being the quarterback for them playing in, you know, must-win games. So, uh, you know, if... If you have a new regime and, you know, you're not sold at the quarterback position, I think addressing it in that spot, you know, I'm obviously not the highest on Levis, but taking him in round two, I don't have as big an issue with, um, you know, maybe you, you in, in an ideal situation, you probably try to trade back into the back half of the first round to get that fifth year option. But, um, you know, that's obviously uh, kind of another story in itself. I like Tajay Spears, but again, that's a spot where it's like, you know, what's kind of the situation with Derrick Henry? Uh, you know, is he going to be around long term? Is he someone you look to move? I like Tajay Spears as a player. Player, but obviously, you know, a, a big drop off if, uh, you know, Henry's not there long term still. So, yeah, I think the receiver need is big. Burks and, and Westbrook Akeen is, uh, you know, not necessarily a dynamic duo that you're looking for at this point in time, uh, especially without, you know, uh, a, a quarterback position that has some uncertainty, whether it be, you know, Tannehill or, uh, or Levis or uh, if they go back to Willis, I guess we'll see still. So I think that, you know, maybe there is a, a little bit, to, you know, kind of get through with the Titans. I think that we could see a little bit of regression out of them, you know, would they consider a move on from Vrabel in a tough year? I think these are all kind of questions, a lot of uncertainty with the Titans for sure. Bradford uh, has to leave, unfortunately. Um, would have, you know, liked to. But um, Bradford, any final big draft thoughts, any thoughts going into the, the summer offseason, any messages for our, our, our three to four loyal fans? Before, well, <clears throat> Draft wise, I don't know. I, I will say, I guess, I guess this is the last podcast for a little bit. Yeah. But Dan's own podcast, uh, what's what's that shit they do at the end of like, like all the Marvel movies where they got like a post credit scene? The end zone podcast will return. All right, that's that's what I'm saying. It's, we're gonna we're gonna be cooking, uh, next time around. And uh, you know what? I did think of a draft winner real quick. How about those Chiefs? They're Super Bowl champions. I think by virtue of being a Super Bowl champion, you win the draft because the draft doesn't matter anymore. So you know what? That's my answer. And also, I actually, I actually really like the guy they drafted. The more I look into him, 
the more I, I realized that he literally took his own arms up and attached somebody else's arms onto his body. Like, these arms are goofy long. Like, uh, arms are not supposed to look like that. Like, his arms go down below his knees. Insane. But, yeah, you know what? I feel like I feel like this is my last show in a while. I got to get a little bit of homerism in. I think the Chiefs are my, are my draft winner, you know? All right. Thank you very much, Bradford. You, Hopefully, you... I'll be returning for an Oilers victory podcast very, very soon. Well, you'll you'll be returning no matter what, because Oilers defeat. We will make sure to get you on night it's of. True, it's fair. I've so, had it coming. Yes. So yeah. Anyhow, uh, farewell, right. boys. It's been a pleasure. All right, we'll see you, Bradford. Leaves for draft winners and losers podcast literally like ten minutes in, but okay. Uh, Ryan, I I did have a question on on the Chiefs draft. Tell me a little bit about Rasheed Rice. Didn't really know much about him. CBS Sports gives him an A minus. What 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 are your thoughts on him? Do you think he's a guy that slots into their offense right away? What 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 what, what do you think? Yeah, this was uh, an interesting pick for me. I think you know uh, inherently speaking, I think there's a lot of buzz for Jalen Hyatt. Just seeing you know pure speed, Kansas City. That's a lot of times kind of their route. Uh, Rasheed Rice a little bit different, uh, you know, playing at SMU, not necessarily playing against, you know, the highest quality competition, but unlike some of the other prospects has some good size at 6'1", 204, you know, it's viewed certainly as a much smaller receiver class. So if you were looking for that kind of mold, I think Rice, you know, kind of offers that not really kind of that, you know, big explosive play guy, uh, but, um, you know, a big physical body uh, that, you know, can kind of go up and win at the catch point. I wasn't necessarily the highest on, uh, on Rice's tape when I saw him did get an invite at the C senior bowl this past year and uh, overall was a, a pretty productive player uh, both in terms of you know quantity of receptions and, and yards per game uh, again and you know a little bit lower level of competition so uh, not necessarily my most favorite pick of this draft I had a handful of guys higher than Rasheed Rice uh, at this spot but um, yeah I think that was one that kind of you know surprised me a little bit for sure. Mason any other draft winners before we maybe get to some losers? Uh, I think that uh, we collectively as a podcast deserve to be called winner for calling the Joey Porter pick. I know it was a little early by us doing it in the first round, but nailed it. Pittsburgh taking him. We got that one. So good job, guys. Yeah, I, I will say this. I think for me, I've just done the, you know, this will be the sixth, seventh year of this podcast. It does feel like I do these draft shows and every year I say like the same teams as as winners. So I'll just say this. I have the traditional draft winners as winners of this of this draft. I thought, you know, the powerhouses that usually draft well, drafted well. The Steelers, I thought had a tremendous draft. The Ravens, I thought had a tremendous draft. Uh, the Bills, I thought had a pretty good draft as well. Uh, I think... All these teams that traditionally draft, I mean, Seahawks had a good draft. All these teams that traditionally draft very well, I think they all traditionally drafted very well again, especially the Steelers. To me, the AFC North is the division I am most fascinated by going into the season because the Steelers all of a sudden look really feisty with added secondary help, a revamped offensive line, Darnell Washington is just the perfect Steelers tight end and you pair him with Pat Fryermuth, you know, they're going to run a ton of two tight end sets and just be a power team that kills you over the middle, which is kind of what Kenny Pickett's skill set is built for. I've heard some people say, you know, the Steelers, they could be an 11 win team. And while at first you think, oh, that sounds crazy, you then forget that last year they were literally like a nine-win team with no talent on the roster, and now they're getting better and maybe T.J. Watt is healthy. I don't have a read on the AFC North right now, just as a division. I love the Ravens. I think they're a Super Bowl contender. The Bengals obviously have to be put in that conversation, but honestly, by, by August, I could say something crazy like I think the Bengals might finish in third. Like, I, I think – there is just a ton of talent in that division. I thought the AFC North were a huge win. And I mean, the Bengals had a great draft. I thought uh, they, I, I don't know if I'm alone on this, but I just thought the AFC North had a really good draft and ended up looking really good. Even the Browns who didn't have many picks. I mean, you get DTR is some uh, Deshaun Watson uh, 
Deshaun Watson's uh, security and you take Cedric Tillman and suddenly you, you've got some wide receivers, the defense, you, you took some big, strong guys that could stuff the middle of the field, which was where you were late week last year. I, I just think that whole division had a really good uh, draft personally. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree with all that. Uh, last winner that I'll mention before we move on to some losers. I thought the New Orleans Saints were another team that had a pretty strong draft. Uh, you know, mentioned that, you know, we, we kind of the typical teams that have strong drafts had strong drafts. You know, the Saints, they haven't always had the greatest drafts, I would say, but I thought they had a pretty good draft this year. I really like both Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey. Their top two picks uh, in this draft, you know, really improving that defensive line. Um, you know, I thought that was a good area for them to to address and uh, also like some of their other kind of depth picks with Kendra Miller, Jake Hayner, and A.T. Perry. Uh, three players that, you know, I liked their tape uh, when I watched them. So uh, I thought the Saints for, you know, not having their own first round pick, uh, obviously, you know, getting one later uh, when they took Brian Brzee, but uh, I thought they uh, made out pretty well for a team that's, you know, you know still uh, looking to kind of retool uh, that roster, but maybe still has some playmakers that, you know, they could find themselves back in the playoffs next year. Uh, I wouldn't think that's too crazy in that division. Before we get to losers, let's get to one intriguing team here, the Lions. Obviously, everyone freaked out night one when they took a running back at 12 and then an inside linebacker. But I'll make the argument here that if you flip around where they take some of these players, like say they took Brian Branch at 12 instead of Jameer Gibbs, like everyone's saying, oh, well, the Lions had a pretty great draft. Like they just took. Brad Holmes just took guys in different spots, but he still got all his guys. And he brought in Hendon Hooker, who to me is the perfect kind of Jared Goff is the no doubt starter the next year. They can get Hooker healthy. And then if Jared Goff regresses this year or doesn't look like he can be a guy that can point guard an offense, you've got a young quarterback to develop. Some people have said that, the Lions were a loser. I just disagree. I think that they had a pretty good draft, to be honest with you. Yeah, what I would say on the Lions is I thought they took good players at positions that are viewed as not as valuable. So I really like Jameer Gibbs. I had him as a first-round player. Taking him at 12 was just a little bit earlier than where I expected him to go. Same case with Jack Campbell. First round at 18, I thought this guy was, you know, more looking at a second, third-round range uh, rather than, you know, being the top inside linebacker off the board. But I think his tape is really good. He was really good at Iowa, probably the best player on that defense. I would say he was hands and knees better than Lucas Van Ness, who went five picks earlier than he did to the Green Bay Packers. I uh, also really like Sam Laporta, multiple years of production. We know Iowa tight ends have been good, and uh, they have some experience there with taking TJ Hopkinson a few years ago. Brian Branch easily could have been a first-round pick. Safety, not the most valuable position. They see him there in the second round, and they grab him. And then you mentioned Hendon Hooker, who I think you know certainly could have made a very good case for him to go at the back end of the first round. So that's maybe where you start to get a little bit more value with Branch and Hooker, uh, contrary to Gibbs and Campbell, I thought were picked a little bit too early. So verdict, I think the Lions took really good players. They just, you know, if you're just looking at the positions, you're like, why are you taking these guys where you are? But, uh, you know, in three years, if these guys are all still starting, starters for the Lions they're going to be more than happy with how it turned out so um, you know fair to criticize the positioning of where these guys could pick but I think when you you know look and evaluate the guys that they got I think they're all good players uh losers are are hard for me in the draft because I I do so much research but all these guys get hyped up at some point I'll say I I did not love the Jaguars draft in a year when the Colts and Texans just felt like they got a lot better. I know they're getting Calvin Ridley and adding him to that passing attack, but still you're in the AFC. You need weapons. They didn't take a wide receiver. They took Brendan Strange, the tight end out of Penn State. Okay, you already had Evan Ingram. Like I that that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Tank Bigsby, I I, I don't really know a lot about him. I uh, I wasn't, you know, I guess that that's one to keep an eye on but yeah I, I don't know the Jaguars draft just didn't jump off the board to me I, I I didn't really love it I like Anton Harrison I don't think that was a reach at the end of the first round 
Um, did not like Brenton Strange. Thought that was a, a big reach in the second round, personally. Um, so you know, I guess yeah, I I wouldn't say that this is a team where I love their draft, but I you know, if you're if you're taking Anton Harrison in the first round and he ends up being a starter for you, helping protect Trevor Lawrence, I think that's good. But um, yeah, I I think there's some some shots out there that are decent. I think Ventrell Miller, Tyler Lacey, Parker Washington, you know, they have got some good moments. Could end up you know maybe one of those guys hits. Um, but yeah, I I, I didn't I I would agree that this wasn't among the the strong draft classes in the in the in the draft this year mason did you have anything that you didn't love uh i yeah you know like you said it's kind of hard when you're looking at highlights for guys to then be like oh well these guys suck when i'm not doing kind of like the deeper dives on some of that i mean so the the obvious one that i'd look at and just um, you know blindly be like not a great draft class in general would be like the Dolphins but when you've only got four picks in the entire class it's kind of hard to go out and make any big you know splash gets especially when you don't have a first round pick either so you know they probably did what they could with what they had but adding only four guys in this whole process has got to be pretty tough yeah uh I'll say Mac Jones Mac Jones was a loser in, in this draft the Patriots took Christian Gonzalez, which was a pick we were all pretty high on on night one. I like that pick for one them. of the best picks of, of the draft, but, in my opinion. But then they went out and they took uh, an Ed Rusher out of Georgia Tech, a safety. I, you don't like Keon White? I get. I I didn't watch a, a ton of him. Um, but I mean, like you take a safety, two interior offensive linemen. You you trade up for a kicker. And like they didn't yeah. take a wide like you you took Keishon Boutte at at six. I mean he had hype at one point, but like tested really poorly. And like you had a shot in the second round to really say, okay, we got you, Juju Smith Schuster. Let's go get you another weapon. And still, I th- I think their wide receiving core looks poor. And you're going from you know. Joe Judge to Bill O'Brien, like, is that really an upgrade at offensive coordinator? I I, I don't know. I I thought, and I would say big... yes to that. But how Joe much? Judge is pretty rough. Yeah, I, I I guess that's true, but I don't know. Am I crazy to think Mac Jones just didn't get much support here? I I I, I thought. Yeah, I I think Mac Jones more. is a loser, not even just because of the draft, but including like the offseason moves too, like. Pats could have done better to support, you know, their young quarterback still in Mac Jones. He he hasn't been given, you know, the, the greatest situation to succeed in. I agree with that. No, I mean, the whole way that they're building everything looks like they're building it away from him. It's to try to make sure the rest of the team can win a game so that when he doesn't, they're still competitive. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. DeAndre have... Hopkins didn't uh, have a great draft couple of days either. Yeah, he kind of feels like he might end up staying in Arizona, which is is weird. The Cardinals are an interesting team, though, where I would say they, they did have a good draft because they, they have the most picks in this, next year's draft now. They have two firsts, I believe, two thirds. They, they have some draft capital to play around with. And, you know, I've alluded to this a few times, but Kyler Murray's kind of hurt. Like, it, if he misses up until November, let's say they go into November and they are 1-10. and 10. Like, at that point, do you bring Kyler Murray back? Because at that point, honestly, if you're the Cardinals, you could just fall into the number one pick next year and Kyler Murray goes the route of Josh Rosen and you say, okay... <laughs> Like, let's go get Caleb Williams and truly start a rebuild here. And he has DeAndre Hopkins and a improved offensive line. And we can trade Kyler Murray for a bunch of first round picks. I don't know. Uh, with his contract signed? That you is... trade him for a bunch of first round picks when he's making 51 mil in 2024? Mm. Yeah, I guess that's a fair point. But still, I mean, if they have a shot to draft Caleb Williams next year, which I think they might because it still looks like the worst roster in the NFL to me. Like, yeah, and plus you factor in the love of the Texans first. They could make a play to go get it if they don't have it. Like, I don't know. Like, those contracts are not impossible to get out of. They're 
as we've seen with guys like Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that. Like, it's not impossible to get out of those contracts after the first few years. And there were, there would be a market for Kyler, you know, the return yeah. would be very talked about. I don't, I, I don't think we're at that bridge just yet. I think no, we should no, still have faith not. in Kyler being good. You just got him an offensive tackle in Paris Johnson. And uh, you know, I think that obviously could, could help him out, but um, yeah, it's, it's still a roster that needs a lot of help. It's uh, it's a far cry from what it was when, you know, they were the last undefeated team a couple of years ago. Um, but I, I still like Kyler Murray. I still believe that he can be a good quarterback. I think there's a lot of kind of unnecessary hate going on against Kyler. So um, I would still be all in on Kyler's our guy if I was the Cardinals. But yeah, as you said, you know, you got to evaluate that if you can, if you can go get a, a, a Caleb Williams and uh, kind of reset that clock where you got five years of a rookie quarterback deal, that's a big window. So, um, you know, it's not something that that I would completely rule out, but um, I, I would still kind of operate as if we're, we're building around Kyler Murray if I were the Cardinals. Yeah. One last question, and then we'll get to some final offseason thoughts and get out of here. Uh, Ryan, I am just fascinated by New York football teams because it does feel like they have two kind of big name GMs right now and Joe Shane and uh, Joe Douglas. Douglas. What did you think about the Giants and Jets draft? I mean, I'll start with the Giants. I thought the Giants had a pretty good draft. Uh, nothing, yeah. nothing flashy, but Deontay Banks adds some depth to their secondary, and then they still added some help for uh Kyler Murray with a guy people love in Jalen Hyatt. And you know, you add Paris Campbell, like we talked about earlier. Like, there is a shot that Daniel Jones plays up to that contract and takes another step forward this year. I thought, and and you got some uh some more guard help in Dram Michael Smith, a guy who a lot of the offensive line people were were really uh well he's a center actually uh who the offensive line people were kind of stoked with Eric Gray out of Oklahoma not not terrible like uh, I I I kind of like what they did in the draft it was quiet not as flashy as last year but I feel like they took good players Yeah, I would say so too. I personally wasn't the highest on Deontay Banks, but I think that was kind of the range where I expected him to go. You're really banking on the athleticism, wasn't necessarily the most productive player at Maryland, but the Giants had really bad corners last year. If he's taken snaps away from a guy like Darnay Holmes, for example, that's probably a win for the New York Giants. So that's good. Schmitz was a really good pick, really good center. You know, you've kind of got your tackle duo. You know, Andrew Thomas is a stud. Evan Neal just finished his rookie year, still needs to improve, but has the potential to be kind of your long-term tackle. So go sure up the middle part of that line. You just kept Saquon Barkley on the tag, help him run between the tackles a little bit easier and support what is around Daniel Jones a little bit better. I personally am still not that high on the Daniel Jones contract. I think that's a high risk situation. I think he's really only kind of marginally seen improvement in his career, but I think Brian Dable did get him to a slightly higher level and uh, the weapons around him were pretty bad. So I think in a, in a, you know, alternate universe where Jones is surrounded, he could be a a serviceable enough quarterback to kind of get the job done. Um, You know, I, I, I thought it was a, it was a good draft, like the Hyatt pick as well. Uh, obviously, that's a team that really needs receivers. And uh, I think, you know, taking a receiver in the third round was a smarter strategy for them than, you know, doing that in the first. Obviously, that run on receivers, four straight first round picks was right before the Giants. So maybe they were looking at a guy like Zay Flowers or, uh, you know, Quentin Johnston, for example, didn't get the chance to take it. So, yeah, I, I would say the Giants had a good draft, really liked a Schmitz pick. Um, but at the, at the same time, I wasn't, you know, looking at them as major, major winners. The Jets uh, ended up with their – they didn't have a ton of picks because of the Aaron Rodgers trade and in the rounds where you get kind of steals like the third and fourth. Uh, They improved their interior offensive line a little bit with Joe Tipman, a guy Mm -hmm. who I I just – I trust Big Ten offensive linemen, especially guys who played at Wisconsin to be – Yeah, Tipman's good. To be like decent NFL starters. I I think – that's that was a good pickup for them. Will McDonald, I know people didn't love it, but I feel like he's one of Robert Sala's guys and he's earned the benefit of the doubt in turning those guys into stars. I I, I didn't hate, love what the Jets did, but I didn't think you could look at the draft and say, oh, man, there were a ton of misses here. 
Yeah, I think uh, the Will McDonald pick's really interesting. I think maybe it struck some people as a little early. You know, Will McDonald's production in terms of his pass first ability certainly warrants a pick 15th overall. Like, this guy was incredibly productive. But we're also talking about the Big 12, a conference that's notoriously known for drop-back passing, you know, 40, 50 times a game that Will McDonald had a lot of opportunities to kind of get that done. But to his credit, you know, he was a finisher. He's got, you know, very fast, uh, you know, out there on the edge, a little bit of a smaller player, kind of in that Nolan Smith build. Uh, I think they're a little bit different. I think Smith played plays the run a little bit better than McDonald does, but McDonald's a much, much better finisher, way more productive in terms of his sacks uh, than a guy like Nolan Smith was. So uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting pick, you know, helps out the Jets on the edge. I think a position that they certainly need a little bit of help. You know, you got Quinn and Williams in the middle. He can kind of generate some push out of a three technique. You get Will McDonald flying around the edge. I think that'll help out the Jets uh, and Robert's Ellis defense, which, uh, you know, obviously former Niners defensive coordinator, they love giving that, getting after a passer. So thought that was good. You know, a little bit of a tough situation. You, you know, they have the Steelers jumping one pick ahead of them at 14 to grab Broderick Jones. I know a lot of Jets fans really wanted that offensive tackle. They don't end up getting one until Carter Warren in the fourth round, who's a player I like. I thought that was a good pick, but obviously is not Broderick Jones uh, kind of ceiling and capabilities of him as a prospect. So uh, I, I really like the Tittman pick as well. Uh, and so, yeah, I thought the Jets had a, had a good draft uh, overall. All right, boys. Well, that's it. We now head into the off season. Take a little bit of a break. Mason, once again, thank you for all the time you've given me this year. And uh, thanks for jumping on this podcast. I know the draft isn't your and I's most uh, d- dug into thing, but I appreciate your uh, your insight and analysis. And I'll just ask you this. It does feel like for the first time in a little while, usually they're annoying summer storylines, but with the Aaron Rodgers trade done and the Lamar Jackson thing signed, to me, this feels like it might be one of the quietest NFL summers up until July that we've seen in a little while. So I'll, I'll just ask you, is there one thing you, you think might bubble up over the next three months here as an NFL story that we'll be talking about when we come back in June? I mean, I think just with the way everything's played out, like you said, all those really big storylines have kind of wrapped themselves up. So outside of something coming like totally out of left field, some big pro like player getting suspended for something or something like that. I think like the highest profile thing we might see is if DeAndre Hopkins does find a way to end up getting moved somewhere and, and finds a way to help facilitate a trade so he can get out of Arizona. Otherwise I, I think you're right. I think it might genuinely just be a nice quiet summer. People enjoying their families a little bit ryan anything that you you could foresee maybe popping up this summer well i know the the always anticipated and hyped up schedule release is kind of next on the nfl calendar which we need a full hour special on nfl network in order to see the schedule that we can look up on google the next day and still have months to prepare for so stoked for the unnecessarily long duration of the schedule release on the on the NFL. Hey, don't calendar. forget that they're going to leak maybe like six games during the day True. leading up to the hour-long schedule release teaser. too, so we can get real hyped up for that. Oh, yeah. Guess what, guys? I have some really exciting news for you. Today was schedule release, schedule release day. They, okay. They, they schedule released the day the schedule will be released today. It's May 11th. Probably they, my favorite day of the year. Big day, huge day. I'm circling it on the calendar right now, honestly. Big red (laughs) marker. I just canceled all my meetings for that day, so. Yeah, might as well call in sick to work. We probably should live stream it, honestly. Yeah, I I guess we'll have to come back May 11th and do a game-by-game breakdown. I I will say this. (laughs) I'm intrigued by what the Falcons do this summer because I do think there's a chance that we get to OTAs in a month Arthur Smith gets more of a look at Desmond Ritter and says, huh, I have a team with a lot of talent and I'm betting my third year that I need to be successful in on Desmond Ritter. Well, that's why they got Taylor Heineke. And I know, and Taylor Heineke, and he thinks, huh, I wonder if I should call my old friend Mike Vrabel because I do think Tannehill's if, a there, good one. if there's one team that the Titans would trade Ryan Tannehill to. I think they could, they have leverage over the Falcons where you could say to the Falcons, listen, if you get Ryan Tannehill, you are quite literally a contender in that division immediately. 
that's one to watch. I, I do think that we could get some Ryan Tannehill smoke uh, throughout the next month or two. Well, with that said, thank you both so much for joining me. Check out Ryan on the Roadie on the Horn podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Roadkill823. Mason, once again, thank you. We will have some uh, basketball podcasts over the next month, but I'm going on vacation next week. So the next two weeks, expect it to be kind of quiet. This football podcast will be back, I will say, the second week of June, likely. And uh, we'll do our three. Let me just tease what's coming up in June. Uh, We'll have Josh Newman Day which will be my my solo interview with Ute's beat writer Josh Newman and big-time Jets fan. That should be exciting. Uh, We will have Broncos Sicko Week, which I have have decided I am going to invite some Broncos fans on, plus Bradford to be a foil, and we will dive deep into the Broncos roster. By the way, did not hate for Broncos draft. You know, Marvin Marvin Mims, good pick. pretty decent pick i do think that screams that a kj hamler cut could be coming this summer um that there's your broncos minute for for this podcast episode uh and then we'll do i don't know maybe like a wheel of teams type fun deal and then you know july 4th weekend or the the weekend after we'll get into the division previews because we'll have about eight weeks until the season starts so yeah That'll be a lot of fun. It's magazine season soon, by the way. I was doing some research. Seems like June 20th, the college and pro football magazines start to come out. One of my favorite times of the year. I I love magazine season. All right, boys. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Unzone Podcast all year. Loyal listeners, including you, YB, thank you very much for tuning in all the way from South Korea each and every episode. I appreciate you. You are our number one fan. And with that, we say goodbye and good night for the month of May. Enjoy the off season. We've made it. Peace out.